Good evening and welcome to What the Friday. Originally, I had planned this for this past Monday's episode of Mystery Murdering Mayhem, but I've been sick with bronchitis and a bad sore throat, so I didn't feel that it would be very pleasant to listen to this episode with me hacking and sniffing and wheezing through it. Plus, it's one of the longest episodes I've done, so I just didn't feel up to it. Having said that, I do apologize for any remaining hacking, sniffing, wheezing, anything you might hear on this episode. But moving along with tonight's episode, it's no secret that we're wrestling fans in this house. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be talking about the death of Nancy Argentino and the circumstances surrounding her death that cast suspicious eyes towards her boyfriend, wrestling superstar, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Welcome to What the Friday, an After Dark series presented by Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Listening discretion is advised. Before I get started, I just want to say that it's not my intention to pass judgment on anyone. And I know that the title of this episode kind of leads you to believe that's what I'm asking for, but really I'm not. However, free to draw your own conclusions from what is presented in this episode and what you may already know about this case. So I can remember seeing Jimmy Snuka in the ring when I was just a little kid. I thought he was pretty cool because he was very skilled in the wrestling ring. I mean, high flying was an understatement. When Jimmy was born, James Wiley Smith, on May 18, 1943, in Fiji. When he was still young, he moved with his family first to the Marshall Islands, and then later they moved to Hawaii. He started out as a bodybuilder, and he earned his name for himself in local competitions like on the Hawaiian Islands. But soon he decided he wanted something more because it just didn't seem that maybe he could earn a lot of money as a bodybuilder. And this is when he started his wrestling career. How he came across the idea of becoming a wrestler was because he knew quite a few of the wrestlers because they worked out at the same gym. His very first match was in 1970 there in Hawaii. Soon after that, he decided to move to the mainland where he first wrestled for NWA Pacific Northwest Territory under Don Owen. During his stint with that promotion, he held the heavyweight heavyweight championship title six times. It was also during that time that he came up with the name and personality of Jimmy Snuka. Now, the NWA had different reasons, including one in Texas. And in 1977, Snooker won both the Texas heavyweight title and the tag team title, but soon he moved on to Mid-Atlantic, and that's where I remember seeing him wrestle as a little kid. While he was with Mid-Atlantic, he held many titles and made quite the name for himself. Now, don't get me wrong, back in the day, Mid-Atlantic was the big name for our area. But what was then called WWF was the mother of all wrestling. Snooka knew that. In 1982, Snooka entered the WWF as a villain. But even though he was the bad guy, people couldn't help but love him. He had a style unlike anyone else, 
after he was gaining fans by the busload. He stayed there in the WWF until 1985, and when he left there, he went to Japan and a few other promotions, but it wasn't long before he found himself back at the WWF. He stayed there a few more years, and like so many other wrestlers, made his way around promotion to promotion, wrestling all the way up until three days before his 72nd birthday in 2015. But this isn't a wrestling story, and it's certainly not a story to sing his praises. Don't get me wrong, again, I'm not saying the man was guilty. I'm just telling the story. Now, before I move on to the meat of this episode, I just want to say that some of the details of this story may be disturbing. So, listen at your own discretion. So not long after his first stint with WWF began, Snooker met a young lady named Nancy Argentino. Nancy was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. She was born in 1960, so she was a bit younger than Snooker. According to friends and family, Nancy, even as a child, was sharp-witted and she was charismatic. She was a free spirit who got along with nearly everyone. There was no shortage of friends for Nancy. People were just drawn to her because they knew that she truly cared for them. Now she grew older, it was apparent that she was one smart cookie, and her family was elated to see what all she would accomplish in her lifetime. And not only did she have a brilliant mind, she was quite a beauty too. At the age of 15, she was turning the heads of nearly every man around her. Also at the age of 15, she started working in a dental office as an assistant and had plans of furthering that career by attending Brooklyn Community College after high school graduation. Now, through friends, Nancy was drawn into the world of wrestling. She had a friend that was dating a wrestler, and soon she would find herself on a date with a guy named Terry. We know that guy as Hulk Nancy and Terry only dated briefly, but she was starting to attend wrestling events more and more. Um, and these were at that nearby Madison Square Garden. As soon as she would catch the eye of another wrestler, and that wrestler was Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Now, I probably should mention here that Snuka had a wife and kids waiting for him at home. But I guess being on the road so much, he got lonely or something like that. I'm not making excuses. I'm I'm just speculating, you know, what might have led him to look for somebody to keep him company. But anyway, the first time Snooker saw Nancy, he was smitten. He was just immediately drawn to her slender build. She had this beautiful tan skin, beautiful eyes, and those beautiful eyes were framed by dark her dark hair. Now, like I mentioned, Snooker was on the road a lot, and this added some degree of difficulty to building a relationship, but the couple seemed to handle it almost flawlessly. There's some unknowns when it comes to if Nancy actually knew that Snooker was a married man or a dad, or maybe she did know, but she believed maybe that one day he would leave all of that behind and marry her. And many people say that she really believed that they would be married one day, and she even brought Snooker to her family's home several times. And her parents liked him for the most part, but her sister, they weren't so fond of him. 
I mean, it wouldn't be long before a parent started doubting that there was really a real relationship there between Nancy and his mother. They didn't see it as the relationship like was growing and soon they suspected that maybe he was married. Sometime early into the relationship, two also developed a business relationship. Snooker was a bit of a hothead and was difficult to work with. Not only that, he was almost always late to events. So Nancy stepped in to handle all of that for him as a business manager, secretary, and his assistant. She'd do everything from arranging hotels on the road to keeping them straight to get to matches on time and as a go-between when Snooker was in one of his explosive moods. And another thing that she tried to do was keep Snooker happy, but that was sometimes harder than she'd imagined it would be. And at this point, she was also on the road with him. She would travel from city to city with Snooker for wrestling events. They were together all the time. They traveled together, they ate together, they slept together. Nearly every single minute of the day, they were together. Soon Nancy's family noticed that this business relationship was taking a toll on the romantic relationship. Snooker was becoming less the man of her dreams and showing more of her qualities on In the early morning hours of January 18th of 1983, a 911 call came in from the Howard Johnson Motor Lodge in Selena, New York. The manager there at the Howard Johnson was the one placing the call after multiple calls that came in to him at the front desk to report that a huge and loud fight was taking place between a male and a female in room number one. By the time that deputies made it to that room, the fight had turned into an all-out brawl. Smith and Nancy were outside of their room screaming at each other. Snooker wasn't wearing any clothes. Nancy was wrapped up in just a bed sheet. Nancy was screaming that she wanted to get away from Snooker and go home. She had voiced that same complaint to her sister earlier in the day. In one of the police reports from that call, the officer noted that once Nancy saw the police arriving, she tried to run away from him. He caught her by the hair of her head pulled her back, shoved her face into the wall, and then threw her back into their room. When officers approached Snooker, he stepped back into the room and slammed the door in their faces, locking it behind him. He shouted through the door for the police to leave, and the whole time that he's screaming at the police to leave, Nancy can be heard screaming inside the room for help. Police tried to force entry into the room, but Snooker was bracing the door with his body, and it wouldn't budge, so they called for backup. Deputies finally were able to force the door open, but Snooker stood in the doorway, blocking their way in, threatening the police the entire time. When an officer tried forcing his way in, Snooker grabbed him and forced him against a wall. From there, there was a struggle to get Snooker under control. One officer came up from behind Snooker, put him in a chokehold with his nightstick. Snooker reached to grab the stick and in turn let go of the officer he had had against the wall. That officer managed to get one ring of his handcuffs onto Snooker 
but that wasn't the end of their struggle. It took several minutes of struggling. Nine deputies and two police dogs to subdue Snooker. Finally, they were able to place the other cuff on him. But even after cuffing him and taking him down to the floor, Snooker was still resisting and screaming. Other officers started helping Nancy while they were trying to have Snooker get dressed, but he refused. All he could put on was his underwear. He resisted officers the entire time. He was literally being dragged from his room across the parking lot and placed into a patrol vehicle. Snooker was taken to the station to be processed, while Nancy was taken to a nearby hospital. And according to a police report, Nancy had a bruised right thumb, possibly broken ribs, an injury to her lower back, and a large bruise on her neck. Later, reports said that she was treated for injuries to her scalp from Snooker forcibly yanking her hair. In her statement, Nancy said that they had attended a wrestling event in Elmira. And afterwards, when they arrived at the hotel, Snooker started talking about, quote, the truth of God, end quote. Snooker felt that Nancy wasn't paying as much attention to him as she should have, so he became extremely enraged. And it wasn't long until he started screaming and became physically violent with her. Snooker was charged with third-degree assault, second-degree attempted assault, resisting arrest, and obstruction. And for those charges, he was locked up in the county jail, and his bail was set at only $5,000. In an interview just a couple of weeks after the incident, Snooker told the newspaper that the police had never given him a chance to explain and made a mountain out of a molehill of the situation. And in his memoir, Snooker told a different story. He said that he had spent some time drinking and smoking pot with some of his pals earlier in the night and went on to say that police with canine units burst into his room and began assaulting him. He said that he never fought back with police, nor did he put hands on Nancy. And he even said that Nancy was fine. He never touched her and that wasn't, and that he wasn't holding her in that room against her will. Well, a former wife of Snooker's named Sharon has said in the past that Snooker was violent with her for many years. But of course, Snooker said that he never laid a violent hand on her or any other woman. Another wrestler who lived in the same neighborhood as Snooker and Sharon said that Snooker used to beat the shit out of her. And she'd often show up at his door battered and beaten beyond recognition. As much as he denied it, it is known that Sharon was admitted to the hospital at least once from injuries she had received from Snooker. So fast forward to that April after all of this happened at the Howard Johnson and it's time for Snooker to go to court for those charges. Nancy gave a sworn statement saying that Snooker had never hit her nor had he any intentionally harmed her. So the district attorney dropped the charges against Snooker in exchange for Snooker pleading guilty to harassment. And all he really received for that was a one-year suspended sentence. He had to apologize to the sheriff's office and he donated $1,500 to the Ronald McDonald 
posterity. But for a short time after the incident in Selena, Nancy returned to her family home. Her family could see that she was physically wounded, emotionally upset, and drained. And they were very concerned, and they tried their hardest to convince her to just cut ties with Snuka and not go back on the road with him. But no matter how hard they tried, no matter what they said, Nancy went back on the road with him. On Mother's Day in May of that same year, Nancy called home and said that she planned on stopping by for a visit. She never arrived, and that would be the last conversation her mom ever had with her. Two days later, on May the 10th, Snooker was supposed to appear on the TV taping in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Nancy and Snooker had reserved a room at the George Washington Motor Lodge in Whitehall, which is just right outside of Allentown. According to Snooker, Nancy wasn't feeling well, so he was going to leave her at the motel to rest, and head to the TV taping alone. After his match, he had a few drinks with a couple of the wrestlers, but he cut it short so that he could go back and check on Nancy. He claims that when he arrived, he found Nancy lying on the floor, barely clinging to life. She had this yellow mucus coming from her nose and mouth. He said it was at this point that he called 911 and asked for an ambulance. When paramedics arrived, they found Nancy lying in bed, naked, only covered by a sheet. Her pupils were dilated. Her breathing was weak, but her heart was beating rapidly. And this made the paramedics believe that she had had some type of trauma to her head. Naturally, EMTs asked Snooker what happened, and this is when Snooker gave the first of seven different explanations as to what happened to her. The first explanation was that the two had gotten into an argument. He shoved her, she fell, and then she hit her head. But when the first police arrived on the scene, he changed that story to that the couple had been fooling around outside when Nancy slipped and banged her head. Nancy was rushed to Sacred Heart Medical Center in Allentown. Snooker went into the room with Nancy, and when he was asked again what happened, he told a similar version of that first story. But Snooker gave yet another story to a doctor working in the ER that night. According to the doctor, Dr. Snooker said that the two had been play wrestling when Nancy slipped and struck her head. He went on to say that Nancy had recovered from that and they continued wrestling around and Nancy seemed to be okay. Then Snooker talks to a hospital chaplain and tells him that they had stopped on their way into Allentown so that Nancy could use the bathroom. And while they were walking back to the car, they were fooling around and he pushed her a little too hard. This caused her to fall and hit her head on the pavement. Through the next bit of time at the ER and over the years, Snooker has told so many different stories about what happened to Nancy that day, but no matter what story he told, only two hours after arriving at the hospital, Nancy Argentino was pronounced dead. The official cause was listed as undetermined craniocerebral injuries. And it was also noted that these injuries were, are not consistent with a slip and fall accident, but more than likely from mate abuse. 
The autopsy showed that Nancy had been unconscious for more than 12 hours. She had more than 24 cuts on various parts of her body that were consistent with maid abuse. The pathologist also noted that her death should be investigated as a homicide. Around 9 a.m. the next morning, Snooker sat down for an official interview with investigators. Snooker told investigators that on the way into Allentown, the couple stopped on the side of the road to use the bathroom. He said that there were a lot of trucks passing by, so he told her to hurry up. Then he says that Nancy jumped across the grass into the road where she slipped, fell backwards, and hit her head. He went on to say that she had a bad concussion, so he slapped her across the face to get her to regain consciousness. When they got to the motel, she said that she was having some pain in her head, so he told her to lay down. He left and got her food, but she never ate it. After they slept, he left her there to go to the wrestling event, and she seemed fun. He wrestled his match, and it was around 6 that evening when he returned to their room. He thought that she was sleeping, and she was breathing normally. She had a lump on her head, but she wasn't complaining. He had to leave her again to go back to where the wrestling was being held. He came back to the room again, and he said that he kept watching her and decided that something wasn't right, and that's when he called for an ambulance. There's a lot more to the statement that he gave the investigators, but it all comes down to a lot of contradictions. And it comes down to the fact that the investigators weren't buying his story. And even though there was a recommendation from the pathologist to investigate Nancy's death as a homicide, the rest of the month of May was very quiet as far as the investigation went. And on June the 1st of that same year, the case would go cold. Seems that there was a meeting that took place with several of the big names investigating that case, along with Jimmy Snooker and Vince McMahon. And Mike McMahon, he was carrying a briefcase, and oddly enough, there is absolutely no recording or transcript of what was said in that meeting. But it has been said that Snooker was as quiet as a church mouse, while McMahon did all the talking. And when Snooker was asked later about that meeting, he claimed to not remember anything about it. There's a bit of speculation that money may have changed hands that day to sweep the whole case under the rug. But the WWF later issued a statement saying that allegation was absurd. So why was Snooker never charged with Nancy's death? Well, the answer to that question varies as widely as the story Snooker told after Nancy's accident. Just depends on who you ask. But the general consensus says that there simply just wasn't enough evidence to press charges. But the Argentino family wasn't settling for that. They hired an attorney who examined all of the evidence and met with the direct attorney. District attorney, not not direct attorney. Don't know what I was thinking. Um, but anyway, they were really just hoping that by doing this, they could get those charges filed against Snooker and get some justice for Nancy. Well, that attorney found enough evidence for charges to be filed after reviewing what he was given. 
talking to different people and visiting the scene of the crime. That DA still disagreed. That DA just absolutely refused to take the evidence that they had been, you know, presented and present it to the grand jury. As you can imagine, the Argentino family was further devastated by this. Not only had they lost their dear daughter, their sister, but no one who had the power to do so was going to help bring who they thought was her killer to justice. Because of that devastation, their family just withdrew from the public eye. And in doing so, they now feel that they just kind of let it go or let it slide. But honestly, at that point, what could they do? I mean, I'm sure they felt defeated, you know, didn't know which way to turn. Because, I mean, the DA was just flat out refusing to file charges. And over the years, Snooker continued with his life. He was still a big wrestling superstar. He still partied. Everything was the same for him. And to be honest, he was an even bigger superstar than he had been before. To get some sense of closure, in 1985, the Argentino family filed a civil lawsuit against Snooker. The lawsuit accused him of intentional and reckless and negligent and careless behavior, which included either pushing or shoving Nancy, either on that road they had stopped to relieve themselves at, or at the George Washington Motor Lodge, which led to her death. Snooker responded to the lawsuit with a sworn statement in which he claimed to be financially broke, and on top of that, he owed $75,000 in back taxes. He was so broke that his attorneys dropped him because he couldn't pay them. Well, the Argentino was granted a judgment for $500,000, but they never received one single penny from Snooker. After that, the Argentino family tried to go on as best as they could. Nancy's mom kept Nancy's room the way she had left it for many years. Nancy's dad passed away in 1999. He went to his grave without ever seeing an ounce of justice served for his daughter. And then all was quiet for the next 30 years. In June of 2013, the new DA announced that his office was going to take fresh look at the case and hopefully have enough evidence to send the case to the grand jury. Both of Nancy's sisters had sent letters to this new DA and that's what made him want to take a look and see if justice could finally be served. But Snooker wanted nothing to do with any of this. I mean, he was 70 years old and he hadn't talked about the case in years. Well, it took another six months, but in 2014, the DA announced that the case had been presented to the grand jury. The jury was able to examine transcripts of interviews, police reports, and even Snooker's biography. Snooker also appeared before the grand jury several times, and each time he pleaded the fifth. His lawyer said that it was not because he didn't want to incriminate himself, but because he had dementia and other cognitive issues and he just couldn't remember anything about the case. And I mean, he was a wrestler and probably suffered a large amount of head injuries over the years. So that's very likely to be true. But despite that, on September 1st, 2015, Jimmy Snuka was officially arrested and charged with 
third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. In the notes from the grand jury, they included that Snooker had given more than six different accounts of how Nancy's injuries happened. And in the grand jury's official statement, they said that Snooker's violent acts towards Nancy and his failure to promptly obtain medical assistance for her led to her death. This time when he was sent to the county jail, his bond was set at $100,000. When he entered the jail, he entered in a wheelchair. He was being fed with a feeding tube because he had had a large portion of his stomach removed due to cancer. That ex-wife that I mentioned earlier, Sharon, the one who had been abused, she's the one who paid his bail to get him out. Meanwhile, his attorney continued to make a plea for Snooker because of his mental status. According to the attorney, Snooker couldn't even follow a simple conversation. So, in that attorney's opinion, there was no way he could mentally deal with going to court and facing accusations from the DA. But Snooker did go before a judge, and that took place on November 2, 2015. He entered a plea of not guilty. Not only did he enter that plea, but he told the judge that he never went to school, he couldn't read or write English, and he was unaware of where he was or what day it was. In light of that, a hearing was scheduled for May of 2016, and this hearing was decide, to decide whether or not Snooker was mentally competent enough to stand trial. A forensic psychologist told the court that Snooker wasn't competent to stand trial and that Snooker was suffering from dementia as well as memory loss due to his brain actually shrinking. Prosecution presented video evidence of Snooker still wrestling as recently as May of 2015. And in that match, Snooker took down two opponents and then climbed to the top rope and carried out his signature splash. Along with that video evidence, Prosecutors argued that Snooker never even brought up his mental issues until after he learned he was under investigation. They even had proof of that with records that Snooker had scheduled an appointment with a doctor who specializes in concussions a week after the announcement was made that the investigation was being reopened. But that didn't that video didn't have the effect on the judge that prosecution was going for because it portrayed Snooker as a shell of the man he used to be and the judge even called his performance pathetic. And that was enough for that judge to rule on June 1st, 2016 that Snooker was not mentally competent to stand trial and a new hearing would take place in six months to reevaluate Snooker's competence. That follow-up hearing would never take place, though. In December of 2016, Snooker's family announced that he had been placed on hospice care, and all the charges against him were dismissed on January the 3rd, 2017. Twelve days later, Snooker died at the age of 73. The cause of death was terminal neurological issues. The Argentino family felt that Snooker had once again Dodge having to answer for Nancy's death, they got no closure from his passing, 
They were somewhat pleased that he did have to go to court for those charges in the last years of his life. To this day, whether Snooker was guilty of killing Nancy Argentino is still highly debated. It's debated among wrestling fans as well as the true crime community. Some believe that the only thing Snooker was guilty of was not getting Nancy medical help in a timely manner after she accidentally hit her head. But the more popular theory in this whole case is that Snooker's violent history with women speaks for itself. And that he assaulted Nancy either on the way to Allentown or after a motor lodge, causing fatal injuries. Nancy was only 23 years old. She had a bright future ahead of her. She was surrounded by people who loved her. And those people's lives were forever changed by the loss of her. Now, honestly, until I started researching this episode, I didn't know the depth of it. Uh, like I said, I've been a lifelong wrestling fan, and I knew that he had been suspected of killing a girlfriend, but I didn't know all the details. And before those charges were finally brought against Snooker, he had been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But once he um, once he was charged, he was quietly removed from the WWE website. And as far as I can tell, he's never been added back. When I looked the other day, he wasn't listed on the website well y'all my microphone is um falling <laughs> i guess that's a good time to cut it off huh but be sure to come back for a whole new episode of mystery murder and mayhem on monday night and thanks for listening have a good one y'all